Will you take your Bibles out and turn to the book of James, James chapter 5. We're going to look at the topic of prayer. So my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider prayer for people like us. Prayer for people like us. Let's ask for the Lord's help as we look at his word and respond to it. Father, as we come to you now, we do want your word to be a lamp and a light to us, and we want to walk in your light. And so, Lord, help us as we do this. Help us to help each other as we do this. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, the winner of the Powerball lottery worth $2.04 billion was revealed. And while many may now envy him for his massive new bank account balance, or others may mourn him as possibly the next in a long line of lottery winners who will soon be bankrupt in a few short years and see no purpose of going on. Regardless, I wonder if that man who won really thought when he was buying that ticket that he would win. You know, it makes me think of all those people you pass at the grocery store or stand behind in line at the gas station who are purchasing a lottery ticket. Do they really think as they put down dollars, $10, $20, $50, $100, $1,000 that they're going to be the big winner? Do they really think that? I mean, if you ask them, what would they say? They'd probably say, well, I hope so. I hope so. You say, that's sad. Billions and billions of hard-earned dollars handed over when there's almost no chance of winning. Yet it's far sadder to consider a similar level of confidence when one bows his head and he wonders if God would really listen to a word he has to say. Friends, I want to ask you, does God hear you when you call on him? Or or do you think that God hears other people and not you? Or do you think that God hears you and not other people? Maybe you think God would hear you because you've really tried hard today to be good. Or God will hear you because you're a church leader. Or God will hear you because you're in church. I mean, that's where you go to be heard by God, right? Does God hear you when you call on him? And I ask you that question because it was a matter of concern in the letter written by James, the elder in the church of Jerusalem. In the last portion of this letter that he wrote, he dealt with the topic of prayer. You see it in verse 13, 14, 15, 16, twice, 17, and 18. I want to focus our attention today specifically on verse 16, where he makes a broad statement. And he says this, James chapter 5, verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James says that prayer is powerful. You say, how is prayer powerful? How can talking to God be powerful? What's powerful 
because it affects change, because it accomplishes much, because prayer makes things happen. Prayer is strong, not because of the prayer itself, but because God responds to it. This verse is not teaching us that the harder one prays, the more one sweats great great drops of blood, the more likely the prayer is to be answered. That's not the point. But it is to say that prayer is powerful because prayer changes things. But here's the question in our minds. Will my prayer make anything happen? Does my prayer even matter to God? That's the question I want to address today. Will God hear my prayer? What we see in this passage is two points in particular. First, We learn that God hears the prayer of a righteous person. God hears the prayer of a righteous person. And therefore, you have to wonder, well, is God going to hear my prayer? I see what it says. God, God will hear the prayer of the righteous person, but is that me? Will God hear me? Am I righteous? Well, a righteous person has received Jesus Christ. We learn this in the book of John, chapter 1, where John writes, To all who received him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Righteous people are children of God. So I must ask then, have you ever become a child of God? You see, no one is naturally born into God's family. No one. In other words, if your parents are Christians, that doesn't make you a Christian. Or just because God is the creator of all, that does not mean that you are a child of God because he created you. Instead, God has said that everyone is naturally under his wrath, Ephesians 2 tells us. It is only by receiving God's son, Jesus Christ, that you escape wrath and come to enjoy a right standing with God as part of his family. So let me ask you the question this way. When you pray, to whom do you pray? I mean, do you pray to God because God's the creator of all? Do you pray to the King of kings and Lord of lords because he's the ruler over all? Of course, God is the one who created all things and is in control of all things. But ask yourself honestly, when you pray, do you think I am talking to my heavenly Father, because that's what we're talking about. Have you become a child of God? When you talk to God, do you really think I'm talking to my Heavenly Father? I want to draw your attention to how Jesus prayed in the garden. Remember that Jesus would go with his disciples many times to the Garden of Gethsemane, but he went there in particular hours before he was to die for our sins. And notice what he he prayed, given to us in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 36. When he prayed, he said this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Jesus addressed the Father in these familiar terms. Abba, Father. You know that's how all true Christians speak to God? Turn with me just a few books back to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. I'll read for you verses 4 through 6. Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. 
The Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Same thing Jesus said to his father is what the spirit leads all of God's children to say to God. He is their heavenly father. You see, a righteous person is a child of of God. Righteous person is also one who's been forgiven. Romans chapter 4 tells us, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. You remember the gospel song that says this, my sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. They're buried in the depths of the deepest sea. My sins are blotted out, I know. Can you sing that song from your heart? that you know they're forgiven, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you can, you're the kind of person that God hears. You're a child of God. You're forgiven. And if you're not yet a child, if you're not yet forgiven, all you need to do is receive Jesus for who he is, the Lord of all, the Savior of all. You must come to him as your only hope, and he'll save you. He'll bring you into the God's family. Now, with all those, that background, I need to expand on this point, because James most likely means more than God hears the prayer of Christians. James actually means more than that. And I say that because from what you know of James... James was the man who waded into the deep waters of works and faith. Remember that all that in chapter 2? He was the one who addressed the scenario of the person who says he has faith in Christ, but shows no likeness to Christ. Faith without works. The one who says he believes, but none of his behavior has changed. James dogmatically says, that that kind of faith is not saving faith. It's dead. He even points out the fact that even the demons believe in God and it changes their behavior. They shudder. They actually respond to what they believe. But this one who professes to know the Lord, it doesn't do anything to him. Indeed, his faith is not saving faith. I have even as much faith as the demons have. So it seems that James is talking about something a little bit more than whether or not someone is a professing Christian and that God would hear the prayers of that one. James, throughout his book, is talking about living the faith. So when James talks about a righteous person in chapter 5, he most likely means a child of God who's walking rightly with God. Or you could say, He's talking about someone who's right before God, who's also right with God. Do you understand that? You know, we actually all know what it means to be in a relationship with someone, but not to be right with that person at the moment. I mean, think about it, men. Perhaps this morning you were impatient 
as you tried to get everyone to church. And everyone's kind of on edge because of all that went through getting the kids to church. Or children. Perhaps you're not happy with mom because even at this very moment, she wants you to sit still in church and you don't want to do that. Or church family, perhaps you've had a concern with someone about something the matter and you keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about it. You know what it is to have a relationship with someone, but there's something there that's the matter. So we all know what that's like to have a relationship, but there's a problem in the relationship at the moment. So in that sense, when there is something the matter with your relationship with God... God won't hear you. The psalmist told us in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The simple point is, if there's something between you and God, God won't hear you when you pray. If you're not right with God, you won't be heard by God. That is the simple truth. In other words, you can't be at odds with God and then come to pray to God and just hope he won't forget the rift that is at present. The whole point is you have to deal with the rift, repent, and be restored to God. That's what must take place. So when, when, Jesus talked, or when James talked here about prayer, the prayer of a righteous person, I would say he means it's a righteous person who has a good conscience. And we've studied the conscience together at length, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I really do think it's helpful on this. This person is right with the Lord. He, he's at the moment he's right with the Lord. He's not just a part of the family of God, but he is walking with God. He has a clear conscience, a good conscience. You see, James here is not saying, well, the prayer of really good people that's, whom, that's the prayer that will work. That's who God hears. That's not what James is saying. He's not teaching us that the stricter you are, the more likely God will hear you. So we might think, well, yeah, God's going to listen to that person. They're really devout. God has to listen to them. I don't know why God would ever listen to me. But we feel that way sometimes, and that's wrong for us to feel that way. It's wrong for us to think that the one who's most outwardly devout is the one most likely to be heard by God. It's not necessarily true that the greatest Christian among us will be heard. You say, why is that? Well, Jesus blew that idea out of the water. Remember there were two people who went to the temple to pray? Luke 18. One was a Pharisee, really devout. One was a publican. Not so much. And which one does Jesus highlight? He highlighted the publican. Why? Because it was the publican who humbled himself. It was the publican who admitted his wrong. He was honest with God. The publican was the one who had the good conscience. He wasn't claiming to be perfect. But he wasn't. He wasn't a fake. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was honest. And as we are honest and humble with God, we will inevitably become more holy before God. So, 
as you reflect on this aspect of being a righteous person, a righteous person is someone who has a good conscience. As you think about that, I want to encourage you, it's not about how many good things you're doing that give you confidence that God will hear you. Instead, it's about having a clear conscience about what you are doing. That would give you confidence. That you know there's nothing the matter between you and God. There's no awkwardness between you and God. There's openness. You see, God hears the prayers of those with a clear conscience. 1 Peter 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You see, the point is, as James wraps up his teaching for his church there, when Christians with a clear conscience pray, it accomplishes much. It's powerful. So if God would hear the prayer of the righteous, he's talking about Christians who have clear consciences. When you ask yourself, if God would hear me pray, that's what you need to consider. James goes on to really encourage the people of his church to, to pray, to give themselves to pray. And we know that because he goes on to give them an, an example of such a righteous person who when he prayed, things happened. So read with me back in James chapter 5, verses, 5, uh, 5, verses 17 and 18. James five seventeen and 18, it says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So God hears the prayer of a righteous person, and, and James encourages his congregation by saying that God heard the prayer of Elijah. So you ask yourself, are you like Elijah? Are you like Elijah? Will God hear you when you pray? Well, don't you just wonder, we're like Elijah? No way. I mean, think through Elijah the prophet. He came up in our scripture reading this morning. He'd be great like Elijah. Elijah was the prophet who did miracles. You remember how Elijah finished his life? Not like the rest. He rode a chariot of fire to heaven. When you think of the prophet Elijah, he was the one who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. When we look at the prophet Elijah, we all think there's no way any of us are like him. So why did James bring him up? <laughs> why? Well, he did because we are like Elijah. We are like Elijah because he was an ordinary person. He was made of the same stuff that we are. Here, here's, here's perhaps the issue that we have. We can read through the scriptures and we read about Bible characters, and we immediately put, the, put them on this hum, superhuman level, as if they could do no wrong, as if they're in a category all their own, when actually they're, they're just common men and women of the faith. I mean, look through the names in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. 
look through them. And you look at them and you say, wow, they had such great faith. I don't know how I could ever do that. But then the more you learn about them, the more you realize they were ordinary folks. They doubted. They wandered. They made mistakes. They sinned. They weren't superhuman. Think about Paul and Barnabas for a moment. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 14, that in Lystra, they, by God's power, healed a man who was a crippled person. Of course, the people didn't know how to respond in town, and, and they said, wow, the gods have come down. So they began to worship Paul and Barnabas. It says this, they said, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Paul and Barnabas respond, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. We're folks just like you are. We think Paul, Barnabas, they're great men. They are great men, but they're just folks. They're just folks. So what do you know about the prophet Elijah's story? That would remind you, you know, he's a man just like I am. Well, perhaps you know the story from 1 Kings, how Elijah on Mount Carmel saw such a a great experience. That's where Elijah called down fire from heaven. It consumed the sacrifices. The prophets of Baal were slain. And it was just a wonderful time. But then you read in chapter 19 that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What's she say? We're going to get you and you're going to die before tomorrow. You say, how did the great man of faith respond? Verse 3, then he was afraid and ran for his life. You may not have thought that about Elijah, the prophet, but he was a man who was afraid. You ever been afraid? You keep going in the passage, and he was also a man who was unstable. He got down. Look at verse 4. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Okay, have you ever felt like you're in the dumps? Elijah was there too. So when Pastor James says to his congregation, Folks, Elijah was a normal person. Ordinary guy. And he was heard. And his prayer changed things. Your prayer will change things too. You see, the the point of all this is that God wants you to talk to him. God wants you to think that if you would pray, that he would respond. That he would change things. I told you in the beginning that it was sad. Even though there was a winner of the lottery this last week revealed, it's sad to think of all the people who spend billions and billions of dollars with just the hope 
maybe, maybe I'll be the winner. God does not want us to have that weak confidence when we bow our heads. He gives us every reason to think that when I bow my head, that God will hear me and that it will accomplish much. I pray that's the confidence that God will give you. Father, as we consider this, we ask that this kind of teaching you have set before us and that James presented to the church in Jerusalem, that it would take hold of our hearts, that we wouldn't believe, oh, we're not good enough for God to listen to us. I don't understand why God would ever listen to me, but that we would have absolute confidence as we are a child of God with a clear conscience before God. We will be heard because even Elijah was heard and he was an ordinary man. So Lord, put steel in our hearts. May it help us to put words in our mouth for you. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.